Hi guys, I'm Claire. And I'm Katie. And welcome back to the Margarita Madness podcast. So this week we are recording and uploading on a Monday. I'm really sorry to all the fans and people who asked me about last Thursday. I did go off into the woods unplanned, so I didn't know, so we couldn't record ahead. But we are going to be consistent every Thursday from now on. We've made a schedule. Yes, we are officially pro podcasters who are now, uh, not actually, but we are going to be prepared. Um, And plan ahead from now on. Yeah, we're going to actually plan ahead. Um, So today we are doing our first true crime case, which uh, for those of you who know me, I'm a huge true crime gal, listen to all the pods, um, (laughs) and I am super excited. So before we get started, I just want to give, say, please uh, give us some grace with this episode. It might take a little bit to get the, you know, the format and all of that of true crime our true crime episodes so um if it's a little bit bumpy just hang in with hang in with us yeah. and we shall we'll probably hopefully get better as we do more of these yeah <laughs> so i think the schedule from here on out is probably going to be an alternating one so one week true crime mm-hmm. and the next life advice or anything else we choose to talk about yeah so if true crime is not necessarily your thing that's totally fine every other week we'll be doing a life advice and then every other week we'll be doing true crime Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're going to jump right on into it um i just quickly want to give credits to um crime junkie and true crime obsessed which is where uh one my two favorite podcasts and where i first learned about this case um and the resources that they cited were very helpful in our writing of this case um so i just want to credit this to them um so uh without further ado we are doing uh the case of lacey peterson today so if you are a big true crime listener you will know this case um it's pretty infamous so uh that's why we decided to start with this one because there's lots of information on it um so yeah katie's gonna start us off with the background i just want to say that i i do like true crime but i don't have as big of a passion for it as claire (laughs) i'm way more into the life advice and those types of things though i do feel I do have thoughts on this. Yes. <laughs> but this is all Claire is doing. So I'm just going to give you the background and then she'll take it away. So I guess that this, the girl, Lacey, was mm-hmm. born May 4th, 1975. She went to school at, wow, California Polytechnic State, where she met Scott Peterson. About two years into their relationship, Scott started one of at least two affairs that are known and the names and the details of the girls I guess were never made public which is understandable after graduation they got married in August of 1997 and in 2000 they moved into Lacey's hometown Modesto California Mm -hmm. oh California if only you lived there oh love California she took a job as a substitute teacher and Scott worked for a fertilizer company in 2002, they got pregnant and had a son named Connor. Well, they didn't actually have the son. We'll get into that in, in the case. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> this is the background she, that we have written down. She, so. she was Yeah, she was pregnant. Um, but, so, okay, yeah. we'll get into it. Son named Connor. Um, 
when Lacey was seven months pregnant, he, he, as in Scott, started a romantic relationship with Amber Frey, a massage therapist. So that's one of the two affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from her husband, the last people who spoke to Lacey were her half-sister Amy and her mother Sharon. Okay, so now that we have a bit of background on the case, we're going to um, actually start talking about the case itself. So, on December 23rd, 2002, at 5.45pm, Lacey and Scott went to Amy. Um, Amy is a half-sister and cut Scott's hair, just like she did um every month and as when she was cutting her hair um they invite her to dinner uh, she invites them to dinner but they have plans um scott also told um others that he would play golf on christmas eve so lacy spoke to her mom on the phone at 8 30 that night so that would be the 23rd to confirm christmas eve plans um, and on the day of Christmas Eve, uh, Lacey wakes up about 7, 7.30. Um, Scott wakes up between 8 and 8.30. And she tells him uh, her plans for the day. She's going to do shopping to prepare for Christmas brunch. Sounds fancy. Yes. Um, so around 10.30 that morning, Scott packs up to go fishing. Um, at his little cabin thing he has, not far from where they are. Um, and so it's a nine minute drive to the place where he keeps his boat. He has a little like office there. I just have a thought there, a question mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. anything else. So you, they have a place on the water, but where he keeps his boat the office is somewhere else That's yeah, um yeah so I guess, I guess it's like he keeps his like it, it's kind of like a boat house I guess okay so there'd be like a little office no got it okay um yeah so he has a little office there so he checks the voicemail there at 1008 um and he was actively using his computer from 1030 to 1056 and they can tell this um by looking at the contents of the computer um so he sends an email to his boss he looks up instructions for a working tool a woodworking tool and after this there are 20 minutes which are unaccounted for um these 20 minutes a lot of people point to either being sinister um or not like there are people in two camps because a lot of people think that like that this was the time he was um you know like disposing of the body and all of that potentially um potentially yeah. uh but some people think uh and like probably um a lot of people think that that's the time he was actually putting together the woodworking tool that he was looking up um so whatever you know uh it's never been like confirmed either way yeah. so like uh there's two thoughts on we that we just don't know yeah um the tool he received in the mail oh there was the tool he received in the mail uh was fully assembled so that kind of goes against the thought that, that, that those theory. 20 minutes are spent yeah. building that. Um, so then he goes to the actual marina. Um, so from his little like, office, he actually goes to the marina. He gets a ticket at 12.54. So then from 12.55 to 2.11, he goes fishing. Um, and there's multiple people who see him... Fishing. Fishing, see him out there. Um, and then after he's done fishing, he leaves between 12.15 
and 325 and he calls Lacey to let him know he's on his way um and this is a really infamous uh voicemail he's kind of just saying like hey beautiful like how are you love you like on my way home um and he gets home between 4 30 and 4 45 um so when he gets home he notices that Lacey's car uh is in the driveway uh but she's not home which as someone who's an avid crime listener let me just tell you it's never good when that <laughs> happens like when someone shows up and it's like the car is there but the person isn't yeah. and like didn't leave a note or anything like uh, that's a little iffy um but he thinks uh her her mom came to pick her up because yeah. again remember she was planning on getting stuff for their christmas. their christmas so she thought oh maybe he thought maybe the mom just came to pick her up um but another thing that's kind of weird is the dog uh is in the backyard with the leash on like not tied up just like walking around the backyard with the leash off which i think most people who have dogs would say that's a little weird like you don't just let even your even if you don't have a dog you would know that you wouldn't just put your dog on a leash and let it walk walk out in your backyard unless you were going on a walk why would your dog have a leash exactly on? so like here's the thing if the car not being there if the car being there and Lacey not didn't set off alarms this, this should have yeah um and Lacey had been mopping but there was dirty mop water still left out again a little bit iffy like even if she was going out wouldn't she have like at least like cleaned the moppy water say, like, wouldn't you bring your dog back inside or at least take off the leash if it's an outdoor dog yeah and like put the dirty water like in the sink like yeah the drain yeah so and then this is the part that has been kind of picked apart so instead of like calling people like not even necessarily 911 at this point but like other people he showers and he washes his clothes which i think it can be taken two ways like it's either really sketchy that he did that or another other people have pointed out like you know like Lacey was pretty pregnant and like when you are like cleaning a fish like about all those chemicals and stuff like with the baby set off yeah it's probably not good um but again like given that she's not there like you'd think he would be a little bit more concerned yeah so that's my thing so he checks messages he hears his own message which again is like another thing like she didn't even listen to your message um and a message from Lacey's stepdad asking her to um like bring some stuff over for like to prepare um and this is when he gets concerned because that like that's where he thought she was she was right so then um at 5 17 he calls um like her the family um and they all get concerned and start looking for her by 5 47 her stepdad calls 911 um and i think we both had the question here like why didn't scott like that's your pregnant wife aren't you a little bit more concerned yeah and i mean like i guess who makes the 911 call is like the biggest deal but i don't know i just it like after like listening to so many true crime things like it 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 sticks out to me i think what should really be standing out is that any person in a normal situation when they first got home and the wife isn't there and hasn't listened to the messages yeah. you would probably start asking people where she is yeah. and that just didn't happen yeah so. like maybe like maybe as soon as he entered he wouldn't have called 911 but like he maybe could have at least like you know before taking a nice shower and like washing your clothes like checking in with other people yeah. to see if they knew where she was so 
anyway, by 6.50, um, the Modesto police arrive. So the first detective arrives, Scott, let, Scott lets him in without a warrant. Um, nothing looks out of place, but is concerned with Scott's behavior because he doesn't seem concerned. So one thing, honestly, that I think uh, is said a lot is that it's really hard to judge people for how they react. Like everyone reacts to like mm-hmm. fear and grief differently. So like it doesn't necessarily show guilt but I think like that on top of like a lot of other things I don't know um it it is hard to judge people off the way they react uh just wanted to put that out there so they interview him so Scott is interviewed from 12 a.m to 1 a.m uh he says that they have a normal marriage he loves Lacey um and on Christmas day he takes a polygraph uh us true crime gals know never take a polygraph because one they're not admissible in court and two it's not a exact science um it just kind of goes off like your pulse you can't get around you can trick the machine yeah so never take a polygraph um you know i don't really think i'll ever be in a situation where i need to but i'll keep that in mind yeah yeah um he says he'll do it but um the family says to wait until he gets a lawyer um, Which is so logical. Yeah, that's a good. That's good advice. I Listen think the to that family advice. seems to be thinking right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then the media gets a hold of this case on December twenty sixth. Um, it was big because if you think about it, like the news is kind of dead around Christmas. Like there's not a lot going Being on reported, because it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, and also around this year, like the twenty four seven news cycle had just started like before that they didn't really play um news like 24 7 like it would just be like the news at six or whatever mm-hmm. um so um yeah so that uh it kind of started to go cold after that so march 2003 uh the case went cold um everyone kind of thinks scott did it mm-hmm. um based on like what the media was saying and to be honest like he's not doing himself much favors yeah uh and they're not looking into other suspects so this part's really sad so on april 13th and 14th 2003 the bodies of Con- connor uh and lacy were found about a mile apart um uh, but the weird thing is, is they had searched this marina where Scott said he was, um, and they found them in the San Francisco Bay. So, um, Lacey was, uh, it wasn't her full body. I don't want to go too much into- I just into- have a question before you, sorry yeah. for everyone. I don't know if you're as confused as I am, but I am confused. So, San Francisco Bay is not where his office is, right? Like, it's No, just- um, it's like where, I guess- from what I've read, like, his marina, like, the water where his marina was led into okay. the San Francisco Bay, if Got that it. makes sense. Like, kind of a smaller body of water, and then that, it, like, yes. led out into okay. the bay. Okay, so they're t- not really where he was saying he was. Yeah. So, um, I don't really want to go too gruesome into how their bodies were found, but not in good shape. They just weren't whole human beings. No, and Connor, who was... So, Lacey was seven months pregnant with seven or eight months pregnant with connor when she died and he was no longer in 
the body. Um, so, so that means when I said before <laughs> they gave birth, she did not give birth. No, she just had a yeah. son. Yeah. So okay, so now we're gonna move into kind of like the search, um, the arrest, and the trial. So the bodies have been found, and this is where um, it kind of goes. So it takes a few days uh to id the body um and something that people point to use to point to scott's guilt a lot is the fact that on um scott on april 18th scott is found um running for the border which might not actually be running for the border we'll explain so the police arrest scott in san diego and they find some kind of strange things yeah in his car so they find a camping gear four cell phones, his brother's ID, fourteen to fifteen thousand dollars, there's varying reports, hiking boots, a shovel, a dozen Viagra, <laughs> and a picture of him and Lacey. Um, uh, these are major <laughs> even if you don't think he did it to this point. These are some major red flags. Yeah, so something people have said a lot and I've like listened to other podcasts yeah. and read news articles is he either did it or he's the unluckiest person, person and he's just a weird guy based weird on all guy. this stuff yeah. well I don't think anyone's kind of disputing His that weirdness. he was a bad guy right like and not a great husband and we'll get into that even more but, but the dispute is if he did it yeah um, so the police arrest got in San Diego. They find all this stuff. They also uh, found his hair was dyed blonde. Um, yeah and so the family uh kind of clears this up a bit so they um give sort of an explanation to everything so they say that that day scott was going to play golf with his family um he sees cars following them and he thinks that it's the media so he drives around like not going to the golf course like just drives around because he doesn't want to bring the media to the golf course so he calls his family saying like hey um like the media is following me like i'm not going to make it to golf and to his advantage actually that that call is recorded because his phone was being like tapped um so that's actually kind of in his favor um yeah so he doesn't want to bring the press there so they follow him pretty aggressively and he ends up going to the golf course because he doesn't really know where else to go Um, and then he realizes it, uh, that it's the cops and not the media, and yeah. this is when he's arrested. So the family kind of explains some of this. So they say that his hair was dyed blonde a while before this happened, and he, he even met cops with his hair dyed blonde. It, which makes sense, because since this case has been in the media, mm-hmm. there's quite a few months yeah. where they kind of weren't doing anything yeah so it makes sense that he could have changed his hair yeah so he kind of said that he wasn't doing it to evade police just kind of like to be able to go through like day-to-day life yeah life um which i guess kind of makes sense because he was in the media so even if he wasn't getting charged and the cops weren't looking for him anymore people saw him and if you saw him on the street you might still make a big deal yeah the money was the explanation for the money seemed a little weird to me so they say that the fifteen thousand dollar cash was because his mother took money out to pay him back um but i think it's kind of sketchy to be driving around, around with that, that much money if you're not planning on like going on the run with it um like, but something yeah don't you think you would just take that straight to the bank if it's that much money? yeah one thing that i have kind of seen a possible explanation for this is that it was the like easter like holiday so banks might not have been open, open. 
but maybe, it's still but a little... it's so weird. Yeah. I also don't know if people just usually if you're paying someone back in that much of lump sum in that time, maybe like e-transfer not a thing, whatever. <laughs> but like usually you would give them to it in a check, not uh-huh. like fifteen thousand dollars. Like I personally haven't seen fifteen thousand dollars in cash, nope. but I know it's a big stack. Yeah. Like it's not something that fits in your pocket. Yeah. Like, It'd so, be so obvious so, if you have it around. Yeah, so to me that seems like a little weird. Um, and he said that he w- they said he was using his brother's ID so that he could get a discount at the golf Maybe course. Maybe he was a member, which makes sense. If the brother is a member, yeah, you get a discount. Yeah. But, like, if you don't look alike, you're not going to be able to use it anyway. Yeah, so and like, I, love I, don't that, know. And I love that there was just no explanation given for the 10 Viagra. Like, it was just there. Well, he has <laughs> a lot of mistresses and affairs, mm, so it kind of true. does have um, a little bit of an explanation. Yeah, that's true. Um, and another thing that uh, people kind of uh, used to his defense, saying that, like, he was not running, um, is that he was in, like, a red Mercedes. And, like, why would he use a flashy car to go on the run when he had a pretty in- inconspicuous car before? Yeah, it just that just doesn't make a lot of sense. I just... Yeah. Yeah. So, now we kind of get into pre-trial. So, as the defense is going through what the police do and don't have, um, it comes pretty clear that there's no real physical evidence evidence, linking him to this at all. Um, There's no real evidence of violence on what was left of the body. There's just a lot of, like, not substantial, like, evidence. It's just not... It's so, like situational this yeah evidence. yeah um and they decide to move the trial from modesto california to redwood california um which in my opinion is like what does it really do to move it like not that far away because yeah they're this not is, that far away yeah and this is such a big case like people are gonna people know are it still gonna know because it's all over i'm sure it was all over california now it's yeah. all over the world mm-hmm. so moving it like a few towns away isn't gonna do much for the, his like in like his incognito factor yeah like, or like still gonna know. I, yeah like because i guess the whole idea is that you want like an impartial jury mm-hmm. but like it's hard to be impartial when this case is when it's so been in, the media. in the media yeah. yeah so what they do is they start uh obviously you start with a big jury pool and you kind of weed them out so 50 percent of the jury pool is dismissed off the bat because they just think he's guilty they already have their own assumptions yeah the case um and he the judge also dismisses people who are against the penalty but this is kind of where the as in whole, the death penalty yeah sorry <laughs> the death penalty because this is a death penalty case um and this is where the trial got a little fishy because what the judge should have done is asked that are they able to apply the law to the case like you can be against the death penalty but are you able to apply it as it is the law in california yes um but he didn't do this he just dismissed Everyone people who was, were against the penalty which doesn't make the jury fair anyways no. like you're getting rid of all these people who already think he's guilty fine because yeah. they have these assumptions yeah well, but it's not fair to be putting people like uh getting rid of people who like would be impartial about yeah. the death penalty because like he might not have even done it and they're already like all right let's give it to him yeah so that's exactly what a lot of people say they say it left a very specific type of of jury like people who are pro death penalty like angry um already have assumptions that he's done it yeah so um a lot of rules were broken in this jury because they got a lot of information because of how public this case Mm -hmm. was 
um, and the judge was not, the jury was not sequestered, which I'm only explaining this because I had to look it up. Sequestered means, like, they are kind of not allowed to, like, go home, have access to the outside um, world, outside world, basically. So that means that, like, the jury was allowed to, like, go home, watch TV, the case would probably come up on the news. So that's a little iffy, too. For um, a major, major case like this, yeah, we are considering for a death, a death penalty, penalty case, yeah. that's not normal. If you know anything about law or anything at all, yeah. that's not normal. Usually you don't really get that much access to the outside world, like social media, that wasn't really a thing, mm-hmm. but or TV or any type of media, because it'll, and especially because this case is so public, that it would totally, it could totally sway the jury's opinion exactly. after seeing this on TV. Yeah, so... The prosecution, um, now we're into the trial, says that Lacey was killed on the 23rd. He cleans up, moves the body in the morning of the 24th to his truck, and he takes it to the marina and dumps it. Um, And because they don't have a lot of physical or any physical evidence, really, they really hammer in the motive, which that... um, he didn't want to be a father or be married. I can understand where they might get the married part because he is having affairs, but, like, I don't know about the father part. Nothing gives that. Yeah, well, well, there were some reports that he, like, wasn't happy about it, but, again, like, you have to give stuff that you only find here and there, like, take it with a grain of salt, but to be fair, there were some reports about that, but... I think a lot of this, the stuff that comes up about this case has to be taken with a grain of salt because it really was publicized a lot and you have no idea how much people were making up before they put Mm -hmm. that into the world like their opinions and stuff yeah and like we said this was the start of the 24-hour news cycle so they were like constantly needing new stuff to say so if they heard anything it would be like reported as fact kind of right it might it definitely could have been yeah but but we also want to say like that doesn't also that doesn't mean it wasn't true as well yeah you know what i mean like it just means that you just have to we're playing devil's advocate like, yeah you have to just you can't believe everything you hear. yeah um and so the defense starts by saying that so right off the bat like you're not gonna like our client he's not a nice guy he's not a good husband well, that's a good way to start right but he is an innocent husband right like of murder (laughs) of murder maybe not of like adultery but yeah so i guess what they're trying to say is just because yes he was a bad guy which like no one is really disputing here (laughs) um uh it doesn't mean that he directly mean that he did it so the prosecution is going through all of his lies one of them being how he spent the morning with Lacey, as we talked a little bit about earlier and he said that they watched martha stewart on tv making lemon meringue cookies um and the defense kind of uh and so then the prosecution says like he wasn't doing that he didn't spend the morning with Lacey. um she was dead by then but in the defense opening statement which i think was is really cool they they play a clip of martha stewart on good morning america that morning they have like talking about the cookies they have a lot of it's weird that they might bring that in but they have a lot of good evidence to defend him when the opposition has like no evidence that he did it so far yeah yeah 
So another big moment for the defense um, is when the prosecution calls the computer witness. Mm -hmm. So they talk about the computer activity on Scott's warehouse, which we kind of talked about. He sent some emails to his boss, looked at how to make this. They knew that he was on it at that time. Um, And then the defense asked if there was any activity on the home computer. And he says that at 8.40, someone, of course it's not going to say exactly who, but someone was looking at a red scarf from Gap and a sunflower umbrella. And everyone said that Lacey really loved sunflowers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this messes with the prosecution because Lacey is supposed to be dead at this point. Um, So everyone, but, um, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of people said, or some people said, like, um, Scott could have looked it up to make it look like it. And again, this is just one of those things that, like, it can go either way, right? Like, that could be, like, oh, she was alive, or it could be, like, him just trying to cover his tracks. But it did say that he woke up at 8.30, and who right away gets on their computer at 8.40 in that time when you didn't have, like, laptops to just bring to your bed to be, like, looking for things on the internet? So, now the prosecution, they don't have a where why or when no or how or how um they only have they only had a when and now they don't even have that because of the um computer activity at home computer activity at home so they say that scott was just trying to cover his tracks by looking it up but why wouldn't he have said that like earlier on like if it was actually him trying to cover it up why wouldn't he have just been like oh like go look at her computer like she was using it yeah know what i mean yet like he didn't do that he didn't do that um so the prosecution changes their whole theory mid-trial which is a little a little weird. weird well it's just weird that the judge wouldn't like not dismiss the case but almost be like what are you doing now yeah you have no evidence mm-hmm. you don't even have a concrete idea of what happened yeah exactly um so they also say that they found empty concrete powder bags um Scott said that he used it to make an anchor, but the prosecution says that there, sh- if that's the case, there should be four more, um, which is the perfect amount because, again, we didn't get too much into the body, but it was the perfect amount because her limbs were missing. Um, so that would have been, like, used to weigh her down. Um, so, but he says that he used the rest of the concrete for the his driveway. driveway. And they actually get it on video, the spot where he poured out the concrete, which um, is pretty cool, actually, like, that they I'm were able to, like, show they, that. Like, yeah, like, how would they even get that? Yeah. So, the defense is doing pretty well at this point, actually. Yeah. Like, the prosecution kind of has nothing, nothing. but, like, a loose motive. Yeah. Um, but then it all kind of changes with the tapes. And by the tapes, we mean um, the tapes between um, Scott and Amber. Um, Which is the mistress The mistress, affair. yeah. So yeah. Who, who he was seeing at the time that Lacey was missing and then later murdered. Yeah. Um, she was actually recording um, their conversations and so giving them to the police. So that's how they had all of this. Um, so the jury gets the transcripts first and they are reading it and they're like, you know, like it's bad, but it's not like super bad. It's it, not really like 
concrete evidence to be like, yeah, he did it. It's yeah. just more like you're not a good person. Yeah, like it's just concrete proof that he's a terrible person. person yeah. But it, it, it there's there's no proof that he killed her. Yeah. Um. But then when they play it, um, it kind of changes because I guess when you actually hear something and the tone of voice, um, it can really make you change. So he was lying. He was saying that, um, you know, he was in Europe over new year's um and all of that and it's actually kind of chilling if you actually go to some of the podcasts i miss listen um listed like crime junkie uh you can actually listen to the audio and it's quite chilling because there's no sadness in his, in voice. his voice or anything he's just talking about how great of a time he's having in Europe and in France and the Eiffel Tower and all this. Weird. It's and I'm like, weird. dude, your wife is missing and later on murdered. And like, you're talking about Europe. Yeah. So, um, so the defense tries to get them to consider anything else other than this, but it's, it's honestly kind of over at this point. So one thing they try to do is show that the boat, um, show that the body was too heavy to be put over the side of the boat. Um, but the, the court wouldn't allow this in because it was, quote, too inflammatory. Which, to me, I don't get how that is. Because they're having all this evidence against him. Not real evidence, just, like, random inflammatory yeah. points from the other side saying that he did it. Like, what yeah. do you mean? So, I don't know. So, the jury was then convinced even more so by these tracking dogs that they brought out um that tracked Lacey's scent to the like marina area um and they saw this as hard evidence um but which one, it is not by the way it is not which hard evidence. it can it can be pretty good evidence but in this but case it- it makes it's hard evidence on top of other evidence yes here yes, it's also I, like not very substantial yeah like it helps to substantiate evidence you've already found but if there's no other evidence to go off it's of, not really that yeah. yeah and the there's actually problems with the actual dog himself so the dogs came out months after Lacey went missing um and the prosecution says that so they said that they got the dogs that tracked Lacey sent to the marina um, but they find that the dogs actually failed the certification test. Mm-hmm. And twice before, they had gone out and not hit on Lacey's scent. But they didn't say that, that in there. Yeah, and also, if you know, like, months after is too long to have her scent there. With the amount of traffic that would be coming into a marina, the amount of people, her scent would not yeah. be there months yeah. later. That's actually a good point. I mean, I'm I'm not... Um, I'm not knowledgeable and I feel like I don't know if his if her scent maybe could have been there like enough for dogs to smell um but that's that's it maybe it could be if you really think about it it could be in a like low traffic area but in a marina millions of boats and things and people Mm -hmm. and cars would be coming in and out especially now that it's getting into the summer months and they're in California all the time you can always go out on the on a boat in a marina in california yeah that's true there's just so much like people traffic that how could they even still pick up that Mm -hmm. scent yeah so that's definitely something to think about too um so some of the stuff that they gave the dogs could have had scott scent on it explaining why the dogs hit on it since he's 
like, always at the marina. And, like, they lived together, so it would make sense if they kind of, like, if his scent was on. Yeah, so cross-contamination was also a problem. So my thing, and I wanted to, like, scream this, uh, (laughs) uh, is, like, how can they allow this but not the boat? Like, the idea of the boat not being able to, like, that it would capsize. Like, how can they allow the dogs but not the the boat? Quite literally, Claire is screaming this in the notes that we have. <laughs> it's for, in all caps. It's in all caps, highlighted. Like, she was quite literally screaming this point. Yes. Um, so, again, this is something that, again, I just want to credit. Like, this is something that they really hammered in in Crime Junkies. So that's where I kind of started to think, like, that's so true. Like, how can they allow the dogs? But they said that the boat was too inflammatory. So, another thing that was contested was Connor's time of death. Um, so the prosecution's theory is that he's killed on the 23rd or 24th, and Connor would have had to be dead in the womb. Yeah. Um, so the prosecution's expert said that he's dead on the 23rd. Uh, the defense says that it was on the 29th. Um, and so if they're claiming that Scott did it, it would have been impossible for it to happen on the 29th because um, Scott was under so much like media and police scrutiny like they would have known they would if he was involved him, him, in whatever killing him later yeah so but the defense witness to this kind of was kind of had a little breakdown on the stand and so then the jury just kind of stopped listening at that point um so another thing is they never they never brought up anyone who said um they saw Lacey walking that day um at the same time that Scott was on his computer. And this is pretty big because it means that Scott couldn't have been there at that time and that she was alive. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't use it because witness testimony is often not very strong, which it kind of makes sense. Like, eyewitness testimony is, like, the least, um, like, substantial testimony because especially when it's after the fact, like, people people's memories can be so tainted for sure um but they had like 23 to 24 people so at that point i'm like you have a pretty good case that's a big group of people maybe one or two would be like yeah, yeah. whatever but mm-hmm. that's like a full classroom yeah of people so after this the defense kind of goes flat um and the prosecution relies strictly on the affair yeah um, and the prosecution ends um, with this really chilling moment where they show a side-by-side picture of Lacey alone at a Christmas party that was taken the same time as Scott and Amber, um, like, cozying up at another Christmas party, which kind of hits hard to the jury. Yeah. So the jury sentences him to death in the end. Um, and in 2012... He gets new lawyers and he files an appeal off of three things. So the, their first point is that the jury selection was defective from the start, as we mm-hmm. talked about. So they should not have allowed people on the jury who strongly believed in the death penalty. Um, and not the people who yeah. didn't believe in it. So the second thing is um, the jury turnover. So during the trial, there was a lot of turnover for uh 
many reasons. Which um, is not something that happens. You don't change your jury in the middle of the Yeah, which I mean, because it was such a big high-profile case, like, some people were getting, like, threats, and it became a long time and all of that. So, so th- there were a multitude of reasons, but this could be con- this could constitute a possible jury misconduct. No, um, it just fully is jury misconduct. Yeah, especially because they weren't sequestered, as we talked about. Yeah. Um, and their third point that they build the appeal off of is faulty evidence. So the only evidence that they actually have was the dogs. But as we, like, talked about, that that might not even be accurate. Because they didn't pass their certification. And, yeah, and the boat thing, like, the whole idea that he w- you can't throw. throw something over the boat with that heavy without it capsizing should have been allowed in. Yeah. Um, so after this, the judge allows the jury to see the boat on land, but doesn't let them take it out into the water because it's too dangerous. A which, boat is too dangerous? Mm, which doesn't it kind of prove the point, though? Yeah. yeah. Really. So, um, and another thing that we kind of didn't mention, but we're going to talk about it now, is that Modesto is a pretty small town, but not that small. Um, and it has a really like bad side to it so lots of meth problems robbery um and one thing area you would generally stay away from and one thing i didn't talk about earlier just because i didn't really know how to put it in with the flow of things but there was a possible break-in that happened on the 23rd Mm -hmm. um across from december 23rd of december across from lacy's house um, and it was later said that the robbery was on the 26th, which would not have been possible because of the amount of media that was outside of that their house. Their house. But I think it just goes to prove to the point that there was a lot of other things going on. Mm-hmm. And even more to that effect, between 1999 and 2002, seven pregnant women in the Modesto area have gone missing so exactly around the time of this yeah case. so i know seven might seem not like not but seven in three years and pregnant woman like it's all just pregnant, such a specific it's type. so crazy yeah like whoever was doing it was going for that type he wasn't he she wasn't going for different types of random people like, yeah it's a specific type yeah so yeah so that is kind of pointed out to be to like it should have been that should have been looked into more another question he was sentenced to death but did he actually die like did they go through it um like with with my research they have i don't think they've gone through with it so he's like still alive he's still still alive yeah yeah interesting so now we're kind of now that we you we kind of have laid out everything with the case we're gonna go through our thoughts because i at least i think we both do we have some thoughts so Um, I have some questions before we get into our thoughts. So previously when I had, as I said, I actually had never heard of this case, even though it seems to be a popular one, until Claire sent me all this stuff (laughs) in our Google Docs that we share. So my first question, I wrote them down, and she already answered them, but we can go through them, just in case you're wondering like I was, was, was he charged? Yes, he was sentenced to to death. death. Um, Did they go through with it? I guess not at this point, because of the like appeal that yeah. they tried to file again not that, that's just like i didn't find so anything further it just than seems this, like so his it, case fell off the face of the earth after that like yeah he, he didn't actually get sent he didn't get put to death and he just kind of seems to be like 
still in jail and nothing else comes up about it. And the second question I had was, why did they only suspect him? Like, why did they not try to find other uh, people who could have done it? Like, they, it kind of seems like they took the, they as in the police, the jury, the judge, whatever, took the easy way out by just only assuming him as the only suspect because he was there. So my answer to that, like, why they didn't look at anyone else is because I think that it was because there was no physical evidence pointing to anyone else either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like there was no... There's just no evidence there's at just all. There's no evidence. Like, whoever did this cleaned up their tracks yeah. so well that there's just no evidence yeah. of anyone doing it, but um, it happened. And also the fact that he was calling his girlfriend saying that he was in Paris while she was, like, missing and dead, I think that would turn anybody's heads. Especially, like, yeah. like I said, I highly recommend, like, searching it or, like, going to the Crime Junkie podcast and actually listening to the voice recordings. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, My final concluding thoughts, though, other than questions, (laughs) are, I wrote that I've never heard of this case, everything was clear, yeah, and I personally think he didn't do it. Okay. That's my personal opinion, because there's just no evidence, and as I said, I think the police just chose him, because, as an easy way out, because there's just no evidence of anyone doing Mm -hmm. it, and he just happened to be there, and in anyone's minds when it first came out it was probably like just an easy answer to be like yeah it was him because he was there like there's just no other connection to anything else Mm -hmm. yeah so my thoughts are this case is kind of a very big case and everyone like has their bearing opinions on it my opinion is kind of there's no real physical evidence in this case to know what went on either way like that, that guilty he did or, he or not like yeah. you can like i'm not saying that you can say he didn't do it but i'm also saying that you can't say for sure that he, that did. he did yeah and personally i think like especially since it's a death row case like it should be taken well all cases should but like if you're gonna commit a man to death like you better be damn sure that he did it for sure yeah it's one thing to have a uh, innocent person go to jail if they're just going to jail yeah but it's something else to take someone else's life especially if they're innocent if yeah. you have no idea yeah who's actually done yeah it. and i think kind of when i started learning about like the dark side of modesto more and like the robberies and um the, the other the other women, women, missing yeah. women i'm like was this a robbery gone wrong was this just another pregnant woman who was in one of those that situation yeah like we just yeah. don't know so my final thoughts are i quite on this is why i could never be like a lawyer or a judge <laughs> i see five thousand sides to everything so i really just don't can't, know. don't know either way but what i do know is that there's not enough with what at least has been publicly shared that we can get by researching to convict him mm-hmm. for sure yeah so that's the case of Lacey Peterson. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you like the true crime segment of our podcast too. Yeah. Because we obviously like to do both. Yeah, we literally um, couldn't. When we started making a podcast, we literally couldn't decide. Because, what we wanted it to be. Yeah, because we're both like pretty big fans of like both like the chatty like um advice podcast and also true crime so yeah. I, so we thought like why not make it like both both because then people can listen to one what or the other want. or both yeah. yeah 
So thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you back on Thursday. For sure, Thursday (laughs) from now on. Bye, guys. Bye.